when it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no sugar way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. Oh, I should have invited Dan today. What was I thinking? He's uh, in, been in town recently. Um, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the podcast called Nooner Podcast. And three, two, um, on the Smodco Internet Radio Network, I'm a host. My name is Marty. Dan Etheridge was one of the OG hosts. He's been in town. We went to go see uh, the death of Stalin on Thursday. It was enjoyable um armando ianucci of veep fame wrote and co-wrote and directed it and dan is doing great he's has to go to uh canada danada vancouver danada on uh, this week so he'll, he'll be out but it was great to see him and uh he is spending a lot of time in canada i'm maybe they're i don't know why he keeps going up there well i know why he keeps going up there because of work I am doing another abbreviated nooner today because I am flying solo today, but this one will have a twist. Chime in, if you would, on the uh, Twitter machine. That is Nooner Podcast, and you can email us at noonerpodcast at gmail.com. If we're not airing, my suggestion is to email. That is the, the best way to do it. But if you do happen to lif- listen offline, as Steve Erdley does... You can catch up, uh, you can get in some tweets that I'll read on air. Like, for instance, he said, three comedy people on last week's pod, and none of you came up with, we were talking about uh, versions of The Bachelor with overweight people who, instead of the, the skinny, you know, six-pack ones that they normally have. And he said, none of you came up with The Bachelor for your plus-size dating show. Well, that that's a good one, and I'm it's it's terrible that we didn't. It's it's a travesty. Everybody, go listen to Steve Erdley's podcast called I don't know, but a uh, good one, good one. And Evan is listening in Roseville, California, and <laughs> Joan is listening. Uh, Darren will be tuning in late, but you can join in at the Tumblr page. That's noonerpodcast.com. I think, I hope that Tyson's doing that. If not, that's fine because it's a free thing. The, the, just like it's a free thing that I do, we don't get paid for this. And that's why uh, Cassandra couldn't be here. Well, actually, she, she couldn't be here because she's in Colorado, uh, Cassandrado. And she is, she will be back though. Uh, but if she were here, she'd be going off on that fucking asshole Ari from The Bachelor. He proposed to Becca, the fan favorite, then dumped her. Went with younger, blonder, bachelorette, what's her name? He basically proposed to two different women in under two months. That's like insane. Like it took me over four decades to propose once. Well, and I mean, I'm one of those who thought like, oh, who could possibly in their right mind find their soulmate on a reality show? And I don't believe in the the one uh, per Dan Savage. There's There are several ones out there or close to ones. I guess you'll never find the perfect one. But uh, you round up is what he would say. But the difference between Ari and me is uh, that that he would propose to two different women in two months is I have not been uh, forced to live in a house with 30 women who were specifically chosen to be attractive to me. Now, the cynical version of me says that like he's a total dullard who's just looking for a hot woman because he's... who doesn't matter if she's interesting or not because he lacks depth. But the reality is one of the biggest predictors of attraction between two people is proximity. And so if you put me if uh, in a house with 30 women who are my type, or I'm not sure if I have a type, but okay, 30 women, uh, I'll bet if I were single that I would have several crushes by the end of it. Especially if they were there like competing for my affections. It's hard not to be like, hey, I guess like wow, I'm, I must be the shit. And these are hot women throwing themselves at me. Um, and then if I were thrown in there, like if with uh, the directive of you have to find a wife, uh, I could see myself, you know, having a handful of lovely women like that I would uh, consider that. So 
this, this is assuming that they would be attracted to me and I'm assuming I didn't start talking about going off on masturbatory in uninformed speeches about politics and economics, of which I know very little. But my greater point is that it's not so crazy that people who are forced to live in a house will find actual true romance. I mean, it's the basis of every romantic comedy. Like Ryan Reynolds is stuck with Sandra Bullock in some house and they fall in love in the proposal. John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga are like on a road trip and they fall in love on the sure thing. That Italian dude and that, uh, I mean, that Indian dude and that, that CGI tiger were stuck on a raft in Life of Pi. They fell, fell in love. Like it, it happens in, in screen and yet we're surprised when it happens on, in a reality show. And it's, uh, I, I don't think that's quite fair. That said, Ari, fuck you for dumping poor Becca. But uh, I think that's, did I get the names right? Anyhow, if, tell me what you guys think. Tweet in Nooner Podcast if you watch these stupid shows. And I actually haven't watched it, but I sure read about them. Uh, and do you think that these things are lasting? Uh, do you think that only dummies and narcissists go on these shows? So, like... They're, they're stupid, or do you, do you think that these people are actually interesting? Uh, <clears throat> back in the early 1990s, I actually auditioned to be on The Real World 2, two uh, which shot in L.A. and Venice, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I often think what it would have been like to go through that. I, I went through like two auditions for it, and uh, I guess, you know what, it would, ha- would have happened. It would be like, like after a week, people would be like, all that guy talks about is the fragility of the Glass-Steagall Act, and he doesn't even know what it is. And then I get kicked off the island. Um, that, that's how that goes, right? Um, oh, anyhow, Kruger is not here either. He is moving to a new place. And if anybody is available and has a pickup, stru- pickup truck and a strong back, his address is 4337 Glendale Boulevard. Very close to here. He'd love the help. and Or you could just go there and, and mock him for while he's moving dressers with uh, Lance Mountain. But he will be back, of course, uh, and it's nice that he is settling down, and um, so he's starting to get permanent. You guys hearing that? That's bugging me. Then I get to turn it down. Um, Tyson is here. Thank you, Tyson. And, um, oh, um, okay, Miguel asks, was the game show that I mentioned out trying out for called Brains and Brawn, hosted by Mark Paul Gossler? Uh, last week, I mentioned auditioning for another game show. I, it might have been. I have no idea. I didn't get to meet Mark or Paul Gossler. It, I think they had a, a, there was a problem when someone almost, almost drowned on that show, something like that. I forget what, exactly what it was. Um, Oh, so then Jonah says, like, don't sell yourself short, Marty. Your cooking is so good, you'd have a hard time getting rid of them. Back in 1992, this is before the, the Food Network sh- uh, started, which is sort of where I, 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 I well, that's a long story, but I, I uh, sort of learned a lot by watching that, even though I didn't have a kitchen at the time. I could make spaghetti sauce and, and half-decent chili, and so they would kick me off for just gas at that point. Uh, so, yes, I would have been kicked off the island. Um, oh, I lost my place. Okay, so <clears throat> the best thing, and the well, the best thing about being here by myself is that nobody can interrupt me, unless you tweet at me as Jonah did, and then I get distracted, uh, and I welcome that. But then also, if I lose my place, I can't like point to someone and just say, and have them start talking or say, why are you pointing at me? Wait, if you want me to talk, just tell me to talk. That's my Cassandra, spot on. There's this New York Times columnist, uh, Barry Weiss, and I have no doubt she's very smart and she sells herself as a liberal and she's uh, recently received a bit of flack uh, during the Olympics when the, there was the ice skating um, team event, Mirai Nagasu, from a skater from Los Angeles. She landed a triple axel, and Barry Weiss treat, tweeted, immigrants, they get the job done, paraphrasing a lyric from Hamilton. And people objected because Nagasu was born here in the States. She was a, a U.S. citizen born here. And then um, 
Weiss was defensive and um, saying that, like, oh, her parents... Oh, well, I'll, I'll read what she actually said. She said... Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, she said, do you need another sign of civilization's end? Here's one. I tweeted, immigrants, we get the job done with a video of Marais Nagasu's, Nagasu's triple axle. The line is a Hamilton reference. I know she was born in Cali. Did she know before she wrote it? Her, Im her parents are immigrants. I was celebrating her and them. Well, her parents didn't, they, they didn't earn the fucking medal. She did, as well as everybody else on the team. And her defense is like she says i'm the least racist least xenophobic person on earth which is code for uh, i might be a little racist and xenophobic um because that that's like what donald trump says she should be well and then she says like you know i'm the, you, there are bigger villains than me to point at but the other thing is like fuck you just own your mistakes like you you saw a person of color and uh, who happened to be representing your your country and your first instinct is to think Oh, she's Asian. Let's celebrate immigrants. Tweet away. And that's like your preconceived notion of just seeing somebody who's other and then not thinking like that person is an American, but that person is from somewhere else. And oh, isn't that cute? An immigrant. And when you're called on it, don't don't blame the f like, OK, there are a bunch of fringe people like or outraged people who called her a racist. And, but then there were several people like Thai American uh, model, Christy Teigen, who said, you made a mistake. It didn't come from a bad place. And instead of focusing on that, she did give a little shout out to her, but she like just went off on all these uh, harshest critics. But like, welcome to Twitter. Like that's where like people just feel free to, to lash out at you. Um, and then she lately she uh, was did posted this article about um, or an op-ed about how the leftists uh, on campuses are uh, will label everybody who disagrees with them a fascist and try to shut them down and uh, this sort of and that there's this like growing sentiment of that are emboldening leftists on campuses and that is utter bullshit first of all it is happening like that people are shouting down the uh, ben shapiro's when he the the ben shapiro's of the world when he they come on campuses um it's gotten to the the point where richard spencer said that it's no fun speaking on campuses anymore spreading his uh, his nazi neo-nazi hate because of the protest the antifa protest and and when i heard that i was like oh well maybe there is something to antifa but the point is the these are people uh they might not be right when they're sort of burning trash cans and pepper spraying people and wearing their masks and no they can wear their masks but the the idea of saying that you cannot speak because you um i don't like your ideas that happens on all sides and uh, i think that there's something I, I was trying to find this article about uh, how it is there is a, a sort of a genetic predisposition predisposition for people uh in their late late ad adolescence early adults people in their 19s and 20s who to be out to feel outrage and to act on it and it, it's happened for forever that's how the vietnam like well this is not forever ago but the vietnam war protests were were built on that uh, but then at the same time in the seventies, E.O. Wilson, who's just a, like a, like one of the most benevolent, uh, like s scientists around, he's a, he studies ants at Harvard. He, in 1975, he, pro he wrote a book on, um, like basically saying that there's a, a biological basis for sociological, like, uh, phenomena. And he got protested and, and threats of violence and, and like all he was doing was citing science, and so you get you can call out that outrage or the the violence when that happens, but you can't just like Barry Weiss is saying that like basically lefties on campus are a bunch of crybabies, and when you you call outrage on somebody else's outrage, like when it's just shrill, well that's not a good term, but 
it doesn't, you're, you're sort of giving them a voice. I think you really need to say, like, look at this from a historical point of view and say, like, oh, Barry Weiss, it's not just you who's being singled out for saying bullshit things uh, or not owning up to your, your, the incendiary things that you say, even if they're slightly incendiary. I mean, yes, there are more people who say racist things uh, than you, but when you, a New York Times columnist, make a mistake and like for instance, it, when she in that article about the antifa or the the outrage of the left, she quoted a fake antifa uh, website and put that in her article, and she didn't know it was it was fake. She got called out on that, and then people jumped on that, and then and she went on uh, on Bill Maher's show on Friday. Was you can look at the video and it, tell me if I'm right or wrong, or, or if I'm wrong if you disagree with me, but I think that we want, we want people to protest if they, they want to protest and we don't want to shut people's voices down. But it's this, like I'm very excited about that spirit because that is what stopped the Vietnam War. That is what uh, like called attention to Donald Trump. It's these young people who, who feel motivated and feel outrage and then act on it. And we, we just have to make sure that that, outrage is legitimate and then that that the the action that takes place afterwards is is focused um and that's what we see happening right now with the gun uh protests that have been going going on the the weapons or i guess yes the arm the arms protests that are going on right now uh, march 24th i believe is the the big one so if you're young and motivated please Go protest, and that's why Florida just signed a uh, a gun restriction bill, an age restric restriction bill that, like, Florida is one of the most pro gun pro gun states in the union, and they signed it because of that outrage. So I celebrate that, uh, but just make sure that it's don't don't. I mean, yeah, focus on the right thing, and you know what, Barry Weiss, like, just to grow some thicker skin. If you're going to be online and she was uh, on bill maher's show she was protesting like the digital like the weaponization of people in the digital age and like all it, like this is just a, a byproduct of having a twitter account and back in the day before twitter people were just at home yelling at their tvs like there are three different stations and like they were probably throwing out their conspiracy theories like at their their tv and their dog no one was there to hear it and now they get to use twitter and like that's the way it is. Just don't listen to him. Just don't pay attention to him. Just like, uh, yeah, unless, yeah, I, especially if you're going to be a New York Times columnist, like that you are ripe for, um, you're, you're painting a target on your back. So, uh, hope, yeah, suck it up. Uh, on that note, let's see what, oh, okay. Oh, look at all these tweets. Uh, um, Evan says, uh, people who say they aren't racist are definitely racist. Well, yeah, so I guess so. I guess it's the, yes, especially when you preface it, like preface something. You're like, okay, before I get started, let me just say that I'm the least racist person, but, and then they go on. Um, yes. Oh, and then uh, Jane says, I was expecting to log in and hear you talking about Tillerson. And uh, either I'm super late and we moved into entertainment but the, or the format has gone off the rails. Yes, the format has go gone off the rails. And Rex Tillerson was uh, announced that he was fired today. And that is not a surprise it, it, since uh, he started 14 months ago. There's, there's been a lot of weird friction and, and mixed messaging going on between the State Department and the White House. And uh, it's a little disconcerting that he's... Well, I guess he's he's moving. What's his name from uh, the CIA, and um, she, the deputy director of the CIA. Her name is something Haspel. She's moving into the lead uh, position. And just so you know about her, she's one of the people who organized uh, these these waterboarding sessions and and these black um, what do they call them these these black ops things where they would kidnap people and torture them in, in Thailand. And mysteriously, she was the one in, who 
was managing uh, the, the whole situation when all the videotapes of these torture sessions mysteriously vanished. And that's going to be who's running RCIA. So that's a little, uh, a little scary. And I have no idea what this means for the State Department, but it's not a surprise. This is 40-something percent of the people in, in since of, of the um, White House staff have been have quit or fired since uh, the start. You know, more than twice as whatever. It's a huge percentage more than any other uh, uh, administration moder in modern times. So not a surprise <coughs> that Tillerson is gone, and I'm sure McMaster's will be gone in the next month. It looks like Ivanka Trump Trump will probably be ousted. Well, I don't know if probably. I mean, whatever. She's been taking a salary from from three Trump subsidiaries since she started, and she's supposed to be started representing the White House, uh, and she's supposed to be have been divested, and that seems like a horrible con conflict of interest. Um, Peter WG says, uh, I'm not racist. I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> That's a good one. Some of my best, uh, some of my favorite uh, tweeters are people of color. And Jonah says, I've saved my con congressional reps numbers in my phone and have started calling them nearly daily. Good. Good for you. Uh, I am in a place where my uh, my congressman is, we, we are aligned on most political things. My two senators are very democratic. I mean, Diane Feinstein is a bit of a hawk, but uh, she's like... I'm very proud to have them serving my state, so I don't feel the need to, to push them. If you happen to be in a place where uh, you disagree with your your politicians, then you should absolutely uh, contact them and and challenge them wherever, whenever they whenever you can. Um, here's what I wanted to talk about, and and um, oh geez, I'm sorry, I I got distracted again by a tweet. Damn you. Damn your bones, damn you, Tyson. Um, I have. I'm. We're about to start a second podcast. It won't be on this network, and I'm probably hijacking the the um, earwaves uh, incorrectly. But I just wanted to give you guys a little sample. Uh, this is something that Steve and I are doing. It's called Ding Dong Chomp, and it's a podcast where we just talk about uh, food for a little bit. And it, it's we're gonna try to do it you know, fairly regularly, as this one is done fairly regularly. And um, I, oh, so Jane says, I'll be honest. I thought the order would be Sessions, then Tillerson, then McMaster. So the order is off. No, I think Sessions. Uh, he's, I think he's gonna he'll be there for a little longer. I think, because um, I think it's a job that he always wanted to be to have uh, the the AG job. Um, so I just want to give you guys a little sample and you can tweet in as it goes. It's just like 20 something minutes. And uh, if you have ideas of, of that, you comments, suggestions, or, um, or you can just enjoy it or turn it off for 20 minutes and then I'll come back on and, uh, and then close up, uh, close up the, the show. But, uh, oh, and if, if you want to send an email, an angry email in the next 24 minutes, uh, please do so. And in the meanwhile, here, enjoy the premiere episode of Ding Dong Chomp. And then... Welcome to the premiere episode of Ding Dong Chomp, a podcast hosted by two dummies who talk about food. Uh, we ask each other questions about food. Uh, before we get started, we should probably introduce ourselves, don't you think? Who's a dummy, you or me? We're both dummies of sorts right? Uh, right you know we have open minds that's what i mean by dummies we went to private universities i wouldn't call us dummies uh, i would call us rude it doesn't make you smart if you paid a bunch of money for your diploma clearly the point is we ask each other questions about food but what qualifies us what are your bona fides for for being a food expert or or worth listening to i think about food quite a bit and i read about it quite a bit and you know i, I partake in it and i partake daily. in it almost three times a day Almost? Almost. You skip meals? Sometimes. Oh, wow. I'm, I get busy. Uh-huh. And I'm uh, not a food writer. I'm not a cook. I'm, I have no connection to the food industry. I just like food. Oh. So the way this works is we'll 
ask each other questions about food. I come from a background of, uh, I have a whole family of eaters. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents, grandparents. They and, ate food? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they, wow. they can, the, the living ones continue to eat. The dead ones don't eat anymore. They no. got sick of it. Okay, yeah. And I, I too come from a family of eaters. They all ate. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that we had so much in common. <laughs> Learning uh, something already. I do uh, cook a lot. I, I think about food a lot. and I subscribe to a subreddit called Food Porn. That's what I do. Oh, like, there you I, go. I like to Well look, done. Look that, that qualifies you. Well, why don't you ask me the first And I do question. masturbate to it. I was trying to get through that because I knew that was coming. <laughs> Edit point three, two, two and one. And we're back in. All right. Uh, so why don't you ask me a question? Uh, uh, my question to you, Martin, mm -hmm. is what foods will you not eat? Ah, well, that is an interesting question. And it makes me think of the food journalist Jeffrey Steingarten. Are you familiar with him? Oh, very familiar. But for the audience who doesn't know, <laughs> why don't you no, 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 fill no, them ahead, in? No, no, no. I know, I know. It would be embarrassing for me. I wrote his biography, but I why think, don't you? I think he actually was an, an English professor at Harvard or something like that. Safety school. Uh, I, I could look it up on the internet, but you can too. But he is... Why do you food, bring him up? He's the food writer for Vogue magazine. And because when you think of food... You think of Vogue. And a Vinter. You, you look at the, the, those pictures of the, the cover models and you're like, I, I want bet it. they eat a lot. I'll bet they eat a ton. What kind of cheesesteak does that model eat? Yes. But before Jeffrey Steingarten became a, a food critic or, or a food writer, and he's like this meticulous guy. He, he's curmudgeonly, really sharp, very funny, but also so knowledgeable. And he systematically went out and sought to overcome his distaste for certain foods. Like he didn't like kimchi, uh, lard, Greek cuisine, and like blue food. Blue food. Blue food, as in not like sad food. Not like food that swears when it does comedy. No, 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 no. Blue Just, cheese, blueberries, uh, blue, blue corn nachos, blue corn tortillas. Yeah, I, I bet, I'll bet that would be blue there. corn, yeah. And uh, blue uh, pixie sticks. Blueberries, did I say that already? Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. So I think that one thing that we can do as establishing ourselves as great food journalists, food writers, okay. food talkers, sure. yes, is talk about the, the foods that we won't eat. So like there are the, and I'm of Chinese descent and Chinese people eat everything. Like basically if it moves, we eat it. Oh like, yeah, I've been to China. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What was the strangest thing? I didn't know there? you could eat an elbow. I didn't. I didn't know that an that was elbow. an elbow. Well, like, actually, what part of the animal is this? Knee. Okay. Yeah, you and I went to this <laughs> Japanese restaurant with it. We were just selling. They they had deep fried chicken yeah. knuckles. Yeah. And it was just cartilage. It's it was a, just it's a chicken crunch. and uh, it's a steamed. And what part of the animal is gross? Okay. Well, I'll <laughs> just just close your <laughs> just eyes. Chicken and chew. gross. Yeah. So I've eaten a bunch of things, but there are things that I just won't eat. Okay. One, one thing, um, chicken feet is a big staple. You, you've eaten chicken feet, I have. Right? I, I think it's just because I raised, I grew up raising chickens, and I've seen what they walk in, mm. and it's like, it just... The foot isn't the best part. My grandmother loved chicken feet. They're good for making chicken stock. No, no, she... But she eating could, them is a, t she is a tough... She had like three teeth in her like early 90s, late 80s, and she, we would take her out to lunch and she would just go to town hmm. on a whole thing of chicken feet. And just, that was like her favorite thing to eat. I have never eaten them and it just doesn't look appetizing. It, no. I mean, it looks like a foot. It looks like a like, chicken foot. It really looks like a foot. Yeah. Like yeah. they don't dress it up and no. put, put a little uh, yeah. like uh, edible flowers on it. Like, no, it's just a foot. Right. They cooked. Yeah. Yeah. And the claws right there and everything. But there's deliciousness in it. Like I said, you can make really good chicken Yeah, I mean, there's stuff. a lot of cartilage in there. Sure. And they cook it for a long time, so it gets unctuous. It's, and... it's useful, but as, as a, here, yeah. would you like a chicken foot? But see, and Chinese people love like gooey, sort of chewy things, gummy things like sea cucumber. Oh. That's another thing. Do you like it? I've only had it once, and it's, I loved it. Really? Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. It doesn't, the texture is too... I mean, I like gooey, gummy things. It's too weird for me. And I also think... Worms... It is like a sinus infection that's come to life. Like I imagine okay. when I'm now sick... how to my... can you eat that so I'm sick to my... It, like I have something in my sinus and, I'm, and, and I've now eaten sea cucumber. I imagine that's what it looks like and tastes like and feels like. Yeah. It makes me happy I have a sinus infection. Oh. <laughs> and the other thing I don't... I'm not into is like eating living animals like 
like when I was 12 and went to Hong Kong and they, my father ordered shrimp and they come out with this inverted bowl on, on the yeah, tray, uh, yeah, I know. pull up thing and, and they're all of a sudden all these like giant, beautiful prawns just like climbing all over the table. And we're just supposed to rip them up. You don't eat whole uh, live octopus like old boy? No, no, no I couldn't do okay. that. Uh-huh. And, and I couldn't do that. I was like, go, go ahead and take it and back. And they steamed it really quickly and brought it back. Delicious. You know, it was delicious. So good. But the idea of just pulling the head off while it's writhing doesn't give me any pleasure. doesn't make me think, oh, this is so much fresher. And, and I like raw shrimp. Mm-hmm. But you like them dead. Yeah, yeah. But you'll eat an oyster. Oysters don't have faces or brains. I no. have no problems with that. They don't scream. You know, there's an argument that, that oysters could be even be vegan. Like themselves, they're vegan? No, no, Like, that, like they, that they live vegan, in Brooklyn. Like and, vegans who and, really and, miss oh, oysters oh, oh, exactly. are like, yeah, oysters are vegan. Yeah, okay, well, okay, give, okay. give me uh, two dozen of those. It would be a little more difficult if they did scream as you, as you, put, oh, yeah. as you put them in your mouth. Yeah. And then there's like balut. That's a Filipino food. Who? Balut. Don't know that one. It is a duck egg that has oh, been I know that fertilized one. and yeah. almost brought to term. Yeah. And right before it's brought to term, you, you yeah. boil them. It's a boiled duck abortion. Yes. And, it's and not then good. You, you crack it open, you suck out the juices in oh, there, yeah, yeah. and then you eat the, and like feathers, are, yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. the feathers forming there. It doesn't get crunchy. in the way. A Apparently the, the, the bones have not fully formed, so it's more, anyway, not interested in eating that. I watched a guy in Beijing eat one. Yeah. It was made me kind of sick. Yeah. Are there are there foods that you won't eat? Well, mushrooms. But that's because I just don't like but, mushrooms. So th- that's a, something that Jeffrey Stargarten would, would power through to learn to appreciate yes. why people like mushrooms. I powered through it once when I took my but, now wife to lunch at a restaurant in the Eiffel Tower called Jules Verne. At the, Jeez, at the behest of uh, some dropper. very, very fancy guys we knew from New York. We said, you have to eat there. And we got a reservation, and I put a suit on, and we went to lunch there, and it was awful. It was just stinky, crappy 80s French food. Yeah. You mean that was, at the Eiffel Tower, you think that I, would be I, the, the I, center of gastronomy? Because I, I, Look, I, I rejected the call in the Campbellian you know, uh, universe multiple times. I said, no, we're not going, not going. And our friend said, you have to go. I insist you go. Please go. So we went, and it was horrible. It was like cheesy 80s uh, French food, okay. and one of the dishes had mushrooms in it. And I started to do the math because it was like $250 for lunch. And I realized these mushrooms are probably 4 or $5 a mushroom. Mm-hmm. I'm eating them. Okay. And I almost threw up. Th- that is not the powering through that Jeffrey Steingarten <laughs> did to gain an appreciation for Greek cuisine, okay. moussaka. Moussaka. Like, he, he actually examined it and ate it multiple times to understand what what makes it so good yeah you cook pizzas on new year's eve and they had mushrooms on it and i hate mushrooms but i ate them anyway i powered through it because yeah, i was too tired you, to you tell you to gain an appreciation I, no there's no appreciation i don't like mushrooms yeah so what what is it about mushrooms uh partially as a young child i went to a fancy restaurant in boston where like the kennedys would eat and you know, it was a very stuffy uh, restaurant. I think it was on the water, like literally on a boat on the water. Mm-hmm. And they brought me some of those marinated mushrooms and some sort of vinegar. Mm-hmm. And when you're like five, vinegar is like poison. Like it mm-hmm. tastes weird. Mm-hmm. And these things are disgusting. Like they have a weird, mushrooms have a strange consistency. I mean, they compared have- to what you've eaten at five years old, you've eaten Cheerios mm-hmm. and hamburgers and pizza and hot dogs. And okay. then there's this like squishy, but you're earthy- an adult now. Not any, not really. <laughs> so that's where it started. And then uh, my mom would love them. So she would cut them up into Monday night, spaghetti night at home. And she, I said, Just, I don't like mushrooms. She said, well, I made them extra big so you could pick them out. So they're these gigantic things giving me the finger, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and as I've understood food as an adult, I, they just don't like, they don't taste like anything to me. So it's like, a, well, it's more they of a don't taste like anything to you. Like the, that's the whole thing is like they, like to, to me, like mushrooms have a wide variety. There are these candy cat mushrooms that taste like maple. And then you've got like shiitakes. You've got porcinis, which are super meaty and oh. just amazing. It's the consistency. Well, they all have different consistencies. You yeah. get the king mushrooms, which are like just. Well, I like shiitake. And... I, I can eat a shiitake. Aha. 
So it's wait, not wait. all mushrooms. Okay. Okay. So we're getting to it. So yeah. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah. okay. So it, it, oh, it's our little those, Stevie's growing it's up. It's those little crappy ones that they sell at shitty supermarkets that you chop up and put in salads. Cremini's or yeah, yeah, button yeah. mushrooms. Button mushrooms. I hate them. White mushrooms. They just taste like dirt. Uh-huh. Do you like snails? I love snails. They taste like dirt. <laughs> Checkmate? I don't know. Like, what, what do you I don't know. I'm I don't just... know. I can take. Okay. I can pick a mushroom, and and I I understand them now culinarily. They're umami, so they're good chopped up and mixed into something or turned into a paste. Uh-huh. But on their own, they have a gross texture. Okay. Well, this is something that we might explore as we okay. as we go on Hell in our, no. our journey. This is not that, a journey. that's the, the open journey ends here. I'm talking about, and uh, and also. It's when you're a teenager, you I uh, just adore pizza. Pizza is your comfort food. You love it. You could oh, there's a pizza place outside your high school. You go there after school with girls, and nothing to me ruins pizza like mushrooms. The first time I had pizza in the East Coast, I had it with mushrooms. And growing up in California, you always get the white button mushrooms that are chopped up. Sure. And and, and then when I had went to on the East Coast and got it. It was just a slice of pizza just covered with those canned mushrooms, yeah. which are really slimy. And they're gross. Like, they're, and they're not very interesting. They, they have no flavor. They just taste like brine. Yeah. And I was just, I, that, that, I can see that. If you were a five-year-old kid, I would be like, I'm never uh, But I was a 20-year-old kid going, oh, this pizza has mushrooms on it. They're not, yeah. there's no tang to them. There's no fat to them. It's not pepperoni. It's not some, some black olive. It's just... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it later. Any other foods that you won't eat? Uh, that I won't eat. I'm just remarking that, or remembering going to Mexico just a couple of weeks ago, and I ate a taco. Oh, that's that the was, third country he's dropped. Okay, yeah, I would on. be dropping a lot. Right. He's tra- yeah, Steve travels a, a lot. I uh, we went to a taco place, and they said this is a it's a rib taco from from the pig, or this one that has everything, mm-hmm. including the uterus. Uh-huh. And I went uterus. Give me that, and I ate it. It was delicious. Okay, that, that, and I also ate ant larvae. Yeah, yeah, yeah. delicious. Yep. So it's I'm delicious uh, in China. I ate um, starfish. I ate. I, I'm not afraid. There's nothing to, to eat on a starfish. Oh, it's, it's all muscle. What are you talking about? It's delicious. All right, it's wonderful. Okay. Um. So I'm not. Uh, there, there's nothing you can say. Try this, and I, I won't try it. But mushrooms just don't. I don't know. They don't. They don't bring anything to the party. So. I've stayed away from them. Now, if I go to a fancy place and I see mushrooms in the risotto, I'm not going to go, could you um, remake the risotto without okay. mushrooms? Okay. So, so I, I've, and I've come to understand there are higher end mushrooms. Is there, uh, it, all, it all dates back to um, being raised by a single okay. mother. I was trying to move who, uh, past the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> like, I left the mushrooms no, way no, no, back no. there. But it, it just opened, we're trying to it, it opened up something and... even larger because I didn't like beef for a long time. I didn't like steaks. Okay. Single mother raising two kids. There was a lot of shitty mushrooms, a lot of the white ones from the supermarket, yeah, yeah. and a lot of really crappy cuts of meat okay. that was poorly cooked. Okay. So I didn't like beef for a long time. So then I discovered real beef and real cuts, and I started to appreciate it. So I will probably, before I die, come to appreciate mushrooms. Okay. Nothing else, though? Nothing else. Is there an ethnicity of food that you don't like? Like, I'm not a huge fan of Ethiopian food. I don't care for Greek people. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, we'll just edit that part out. <laughs> What Most about- of the pizza places in Boston are owned by Greek people. Okay. And they are, I love Greek food. And I love Greek people, but God love them. They don't make great Greek pizza. And one time in college, we were super stoned upstairs in an apartment and there was a, there was a pizza place downstairs. We ordered a pizza and then someone, you know, off of, I was calling in someone off of the, the mic went, Oh no, it's a Greek place. And I go, Oh, just cancel. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're, we don't want a pizza. And the guy said, why? Why? You, you don't want pizza? I said, no, no, no. And I mixed it up in my head because I was high. I said, it's not that I don't like Greek pizza. I don't like Greek people. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that got a good laugh. Screw you. You're probably Greek people, the best people. We literally screamed at me for 10 minutes. And we, could, we had to walk like out the back door for like six months. Well, how did they know it was you? I don't know. Just, All right. you know we were That's- high. What about so? There's no, no. No, I love all cuisines. Okay. I want to try new and newer and newer things. What about surströmming? Surströmming. It's uh, that Scandinavian preserved fish that's been like they put, have it in cans and it's basically rotting fish. And they they have these. You can go on the internet. Okay. And you see people opening it, and it's just like a whole you know a sea of fish that have been rotting on a hot day for like. A uh, couple weeks. Like, would you eat that? Sure. 
Kazumarzu. Nope, no idea what that is. That's this. Uh, I think it's in southern Italy. It's this cheese, and when they, they it's in these like like one kilo wheels, uh, and they store it in these rooms, and in deliberately infest it with these flies, <laughs> and these flies like burrow into or that their mar- larva burrow into the cheese. Okay. You're supposed to cut off the top and just scoop it out. And, and basically you're eating like cheese mixed in with maggots, mixed in with maggot poo. And you just like spread it on bread and it's supposed to like be very pungent. Hmm. It's illegal, I think, because like if it goes too far, then there, there are certain toxins that, that build up in there, neurotoxins or something like that. And if what's you, it called again? Uh, Kazu Marzu. So I got to go to the underground Kazu Marzu market? Yeah, yeah. And it, okay. yeah, like okay. I saw this one video. And, hey, do you want to buy some crack? No, 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 no. Cocaine? No, no, no. You have any Kazu Marzu? Yeah. Oh, out back. Okay. I'll get you out back. Yeah. And they had the Kazu Marzu in like a styrofoam thing. And it was just, you could hear it go pop, 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 pop. Because the maggots are just bouncing. Oh, they're right alive. There. Yeah, well, they're alive. Huh. That's, is, it, is it delicious? Um, I think it depends. Hmm. Uh, you know, like is like, it, it, we don't really think about it, but we eat raw, rotting food all the time. Isn't a dry aged steak is like. A, is, is going bad. Well, yeah, it's a form of it's a form of, of rot. Of rot. Yeah, well, it's a vinegar rot. is is spoiled wine, right? So cheese is spoiled. Well, yeah, not yeah, milk. It's, yeah, right. basically. Okay. Yeah, so I I would, I would try anything once. I I, I I ate a uh, what's the, what's the little tiny animal that has a tail and stings you? What the hell's that little thing? Scorpion. scorpion. Yeah. Jesus. Sorry, it's been a long day. Yeah, I I ate a scorpion. It wasn't very good, but really. Yeah. I imagine it would taste like, you know, like, isn't it related to like a crab, you know? No. Soft shell crab? <laughs> it was just crunchy. Yeah. It's right. mostly exoskeleton. All right. It was like a tiny lobster that they had barbecued. Well, okay. That's what I was saying. Like okay. a crab is, you know. Right. Right. Jeez. Hey, I have a question for you. Okay. What is the best meal of your life? And that, it's weird. I don't know why I phrased it in the present tense. What is the best? What meal? was the best meal? No, I'm asking you. What is the best well, meal is of the, your life? Oh, it is. Uh, it, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> All right, moving you wanna, on. You want to ask me one of the past tense? Uh, what was the best meal? Sure. What was or, the best? Or meal? up to this moment, what has been the best? What was the best meal? What was of your life? The best meal. What was? What is? What, what will be the best meal, the best of, meal your of your life? I would say it was in Barcelona. Barcelona? Yeah, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, you ever been right. to Barcelona? Uh-huh. No, it, never. It's a good place. Okay. It's good food. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a restaurant called Alchemia that's still there. Oh, it sounds like alchemical. That sounds like very fancy pantsy. It was, well, I guess they kind of were innovators in molecular gastronomy. Mm, and this I don't p- think you're supposed to use that term. Innovator? No, no. <laughs> So they had moved past Like, it. what is molecular gastronomy? Ah, who knows? I, I, uh, guys with little little offset tongs and but, uh, beakers in the, in the kitchen. I don't know. But isn't all cooking molecular? Isn't all co- co- cooking gastronomy? Yeah, it's a branding term. It's just so you can pay more for it. What is this? Uh, I don't know. We, I think, fr- we froze an egg in uh, li- liquid nitrogen. I think that the term they prefer is modernist cuisine. It was modernist cuisine that was... Of the rage in Spain, and this place was sort of moved past it, inspired by it, but postmodern, it. postmodern molecular gastronomy slash cuisine, oh. and it was a uh, prefi meal that each dish was just more wonderful. I think you pronounce that that the second X, pricks fix. No, no, the which, second which X. X? Pre prefix. Prefix. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because uh-huh. there's an E at the end. There. Oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, well, there wasn't on this menu. Oh, well, because it's Spain. Sorry. Yeah. Prefi. Yeah, and uh, it was just like the perfect meal. It was I remember eating a shrimp that had been sous vide and then was finished on a hot rock that they brought to you that had salt and bay leaves on it. So it was it was finishing uh-huh. as they brought to you t- the table. the the, pr- the protein was setting up mm-hmm. in in the uh, in the shrimp, and you were supposed to eat it with your hands. And the the juice dripped out of it onto the hot rock that that mixed with the salt and the bay leaves and gave you this sort of second blast of smell. Wow. That was quite wonderful. I remember some dish they had on it that had little, the creamiest, tiniest chickpeas. They weren't chickpeas, though. And, and 
I try not to talk to the waiter. I try and just eat because you were, showed there, me the photograph. There were some it. other it Americans exactly like a yeah, chickpea. It looked like a chickpea, but it was the creamiest chickpea. And there were other Americans who were you know, asking questions, and I just said, "No, oh, this is." It's like stopping in the middle of Hamilton and going, "To what are you referring?" And may may I ask you a question, sir? You're King George. Now this right. is during what period? Right, like you're just right, like right. you go with it. But I had to stop this guy, and I said, "What is this chickpea? It's like the creamiest, most wonderful. It was gnocchi." that they had shaped into a chickpea with that little nipple thing it has mm-hmm. at, the, at the end. It was beautiful. It was very good. And every dish got better and better. And we kind of walked out of there. It wasn't a crowded restaurant. It wasn't super duper expensive. It wasn't mm. cheap, but there are, I'm sure French Laundry is twice as much as this place. And it was just, it was like going to see a play that you're like, wow, this thing really spoke to me. And I don't think anyone will ever understand this night I had. Like well, like I do, so I, I think that brings up the the question of like how dining out or or just food in general is or, or is more than just the actual food. It's so experiential. It's like you know you were with your fiance at the time. We weren't engaged. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, my lover, your lover, your ex girlfriend. Yes, my now current ex girlfriend. You were go, went to this restaurant with without the biggest expectations. You're in another country, yes. and it, and and the food happened to be spectacular. And the, we're also like, in a country where every meal was like, "Wow, that was amazing! Right. They, they'll never top this!" Right? Oh my god, that that was amazing. We'll never. It, the, the expectations weren't high, but everything had been amazing. Right. This was the. Oh yeah, we're gonna remember this for a long. I mean, it was eight years ago. Yeah, six years ago, something like that. Yeah, well, like yesterday, I just uh, with my father-in-law it was his birthday. He we went out to a chain restaurant that had been closed in November because of a cockroach infestation. Oh yeah, like the food is not good there. Your father-in-law likes Five Guys, huh? Uh, this was not Five Guys, <laughs> and then he was just like, "I I like this place. It I like the atmosphere, and like there was a, you know, they have a a nightly piano player, and it was like big and open, and like we were." off in one corner it was very private and i was like okay i get it like this is this is enjoyable for him this makes the whole evening that much more interesting i remember when i the first time i went to france to paris i was like 20 or 21 didn't have any money i was there for a, a sports thing and i was sleeping uh, a friend of mine was an exchange student i was sleeping on his floor and i just like had 50 bucks and I just or didn't have 50 bucks I put 50 bucks on a credit card and to get dinner like I wanted a one of those uh, seafood platters that are stacked up you know the seafood a tower yeah a tower and because you know I'd never had that before and and I will never forget that meal I'm sure it wasn't the best seafood tower I've ever had and I had these sea snails that took forever to eat and were not that much that great but I was it was out in the open. It was June. It was so much fun, and it was food that I'd never had in a, a, one of my favorite cities. And I, that will be one of my favorite meals of all time. Oh wow! Yeah, very and, romantic. You were alone? No, I, 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 in payment for me sleeping on his floor. Oh, I, you took your friend took, out? Yeah, I took yeah. Josh out. So, oh, very nice. Yeah, haven't seen him since. Yeah, <laughs> he was lost to the revolution. Oh uh, yeah, we don't talk about that. So that's sort of, I think, how this show will go. We'll just uh, ask each other questions. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us at dingdongchomp at gmail.com. We'll have a website up hopefully soon, uh, dingdongchomp.com. Some videos coming up and uh, more to come. So uh, any closing thoughts on our premiere episode? I thought it was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say it's in the top 10? Uh, of the episodes we've done, it's definitely in the top three. All right. Well, hopefully it recorded. And uh, in the meantime, we'll talk to you. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Even though he's not here, I wanted to punch him. Uh, that was the premiere episode of Ding Dong Chomp, a much-needed podcast about food, because there just aren't enough of those around. Thank you guys for listening to that. Well, let me know what you guys think. If you want to subscribe, I should get the RSS feed up on the next couple days or so. But um, 
yeah, it will be coming. You can email us, dingdongchomp at gmail.com, as you just heard. Um, <clears throat> it was a lot of fun doing that. We'll be doing that, uh, putting uh, an episode out a week. And um, it's, yeah, if you have suggestions, let us know. If um, you have comments, let us know. So Tyson said that if you ate snails that tasted like dirt, it's very possible they weren't cleaned out correctly. Yeah, basically, you know, you're supposed to, like, boil them and... Uh, for a long time to get that muddy flavor out. But, you know, these are gastropods that live in mud, so it's no wonder they taste like it. But uh, you put enough butter and garlic on it, and sure, any ta anything tastes good. Um, which brings me to the mail sack. I don't have the, the mail sack thing um, set up. So, Tyson, will you sing it in three, two, one? Uh, mail sack, mail sack, mail sack. First email is from Ash Williams. He just says, uh, happy birthday, Ron Jeremy. Jizz on the face. Uh, all right, that's a good one. Uh, happy birthday, Ron. Big listener of the show. Corey writes in and says, hello, Nooner, Nooner crew. I work in the evening and often don't eat until late. Do you have any suggestions for homemade snacks? Thanks for the great podcast. Corey, great to hear from you. I don't, have you emailed us before? What do you, um, what do you, what sort of work do you do? Let us know. A great question, especially in light of Ding Dong Chomp. That would be the sort of thing you might uh, email us there. I personally, like if I'm coming home late and I'm feeling lazy, uh, I would, I, there's like a go-to thing. And especially after a night of drinking or something like that, you just take a nonstick pan, you put some uh, cheese in there, can be anything. Like, no, preferably something like a sharp cheddar or something like that. And you, you put it on medium and then you just let it bubble. Like, don't, put, go, go, don't go too high on it. And then what happens is all the, the proteins separate from the fat, which sounds really gross. But it actually makes it healthier, right? And then you're basically making what they call a frica. And, uh, and it gets like crispy and, and bubbly and then... What you do is you, you take it out with a spatula with trying to keep its shape or you can just put, well, you take a tortilla and you basically make it so that it's the same size as the tortilla and then, um, or it can be whatever, but then you just plop it on there, roll it up and dip it in salsa. Not, uh, it's more of a, yeah, that's more of a snack, not very healthy, but not the worst thing. It, it would be worse if you just ate the cold cheese, right? And it's uh, delicious. And then you don't waste time like, cooking up the, the tortilla because it kind of gets heated up by the, the cheese. That's my recipe for you. And you won't find that on the Food Network. You won't find that at SeriousEats.com. It's Goofy Eats. And actually, we what, what do we do? Yeah, I think that's like the simplest thing to get something that is pretty, um, pretty tasty in your belly soon. Um, yeah, so it's called Ding Dong Chomp, as in chomp, uh, like ar ar, not chong, as my wife says, and Tyson. So uh, look for it in your podcast feed. Well, you'll have to actively look for it. It's not just going to pop up unless you actually put it in there, but you can do a search thing. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but definitely uh, by week's end. Also, uh, I have oh yeah so s continue to send emails noonerpodcast at gmail.com we we love getting emails we love hearing from people like Corey who we don't hear from a lot we'd love to if you're just sitting there and even if you're listening to one from six months ago please email us ask us a question and we will uh, we would love to hear from us from you and tell us what uh, what you do where you're from and how old you are if you so care I the other day, uh, I went outside. Okay, I, we were having drinks. It's my friend's birthday. And we just heard these like sort of like, like sort of high-pitched squeals coming from outside like an animal is being tortured. I go outside and there's a little baby squirrel on the ground and it's not moving and it's got blood coming out of its nose. And, but I still hear the cries and I realized, oh, it's the parents and it was raining outside. I can't 
bring, I mean, this thing was like, looked like it was dying. So I took it in and I, I didn't know what to do. So I just like put it in a towel and put it in the bathtub. Not, I mean, uh, the dry bathtub because I didn't want it running around. Uh, next day, it looks like it's better. And, and, but the squeals didn't stop. And it was so torturous to hear these. The, and it was two squirrels crying out for their missing progeny. That they're, and it just made me think, wow, like, like this emotional response from a stupid fucking squirrel. And, but this little thing was just all, like, it was cold and it was barely moving. And so I stuck it um, in the bathroom. Next day, uh, it looked better. I tried to give it almond milk because that's all I really, I don't know. Like, it was like, they squirrels like nuts. And this is like a, a nut in a liquid form. Um, it's like really tiny. Here, I'll, I'll tweet out a photo. Uh, and then the next day, I go to take it out to, to put it out for its family. And I look up, and there on the ground is another... Oh, so I put it out in a box on, on the roof near the tree where I hear it all cr crying. No, no squirrel came for it. I take it back in, and I see another like lump on the ground. And it's... All night it was there, just two feet from where I saw the other one. So there was another squirrel on the ground, and it was completely cold, barely moving. Take it in, feed it some like some almond milk because I'm so smart. Uh, and then, and so now I've got these two baby squirrels. Parents are long gone because I put them out yesterday, hoping that the the parents would come take them again. And they did not. So does, like, I don't know how to care for a baby squirrel, like, or two baby squirrels. So I go to the pet store, like, and got kitty, kitty formula. Does anybody have any, any insight on how to, oh, here we go, um, how to um, raise <laughs> two baby squirrels? Because that's what I need is two more animals in my life. Uh, I think what I'll probably do is give them to my sister because she's got kids and they love animals. And then, and then there'll be critter stew by spring. Um, let's see. Oh, so okay. Tyson says I always fed my snails cornmeal about three to five days, cleans them right out, no dirt at all. Yes, that that is uh, that is the, the the tried and true method of of cleaning out a, a snail. Uh, so you raised your own snails to, to eat Tyson. That's kind of, that's kind of baller. Uh, I hope everybody else likes snails there. I, I don't, I don't, I'm there. Yeah, they're fine. I like snails, uh, but I don't go crazy for them. Okay. I'm tweeting out another photo of, uh, the two together. They're super cute and they're, but they just sit there and I'm afraid they're going to die. And they, now I'm like feeding them with a bottle and they kind of, they kind of like the the formula formula but they they just sleep i mean i guess that's what little babies do all day right but they look i don't know they won't eat any solid food their teeth are really tiny but oh they're so cute um <laughs> by the way a few days ago evan uh, tweeted i used to donate blood regularly <laughs> but now i just have movie pass that i get that that's funny i used to uh, donate blood at uh or Kaiser, um, and they would give me movie passes, and it was great. I saw it went to tons of movies based on that, but that's not why I gave it, and obviously I'm sure that's not why you gave Blood Evan, but it is a nice uh, plus. Unfortunately, they don't do that, or they close down their blood thing. So, um, and movie pass, I don't know. Movie pass, I realized movie pass makes money. Let me say movie pass one more time. Movie pass give us money. They charge a very low fee but then they use all this data i guess they track you and where you're going to and from what you where you go after your movie experience so then they can collect all sorts of data that they can sell that's how they make their money that's very interesting um or that's one of the ways they make their money not for, well, not for me just because i don't see that many movies and and i think i can give blood at the red cross and i think they give you uh, amc uh, gift cards so i'll do that instead uh that i think that's about it for today i think we're we're right at an hour i think that's a, a solid um bit of that's enough for me basically that's like 
20 more minutes than I normally speak in an, a, a given episode. And so I'm, I think everybody's heard my voice enough. Please let us know what you think of Ding Dong Chomp. You can follow us. That's Ding Dong Chomp at, uh, on Twitter and, we'll, um, and Instagram and all that other stuff. And we will be um, doing more of that uh, as the days go by. Hopefully do some video stuff and some articles and whatnot. So uh, let us know uh, what else is going on. That's Ding Dong Chomp. I mean, no, jeez. That's uh, noonerpodcast at gmail.com. I'll just edit that out. So next week, we might do a, a Sunday podcast. Uh, so keep your Twitter, uh, Twitter ears open because we might do that live and uh, include everybody in on that. Um, so that would be Sunday night. If not, there will probably be no episode next week because I'll be out of town. And we will see you next Tuesday. If that fuck, if that fuck, if that fuck, if that fuck. Yeah.